Good morning, Second Service. Good to be with you. It's good to have this family time together with you. And uh, I just want to say I thank the uh, Martin family for being here. They came from Pennsylvania. This is kind of their uh, part of their summer vacation. And on their vacation, they say, uh, we want to spend it with family. As Jason mentioned, he grew up in this church. He was our worship director 15 years ago or so, and it's just uh, good to see all the kids growing up. Mike and Kathy, you just got to be proud to have wonderful kids and grandkids. And and so this is just family. This is a family time. And, you know, I watched that video there, and I'm like, man, we got a goofy family. I mean, a family that's willing to dance in the workplace and all of that. And uh, But we have a lot to be joyful about Uh, because God is this Father, and He includes us into His family through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ. It's not because of what you've done that you get to be part of this family. It's that Jesus did all this work on our behalf. And as we placed our faith in Him, He says, then I call you sons and daughters by faith in my Son. So anyway, it is good to be with you, family. I want to share, uh, have a couple... uh, People share about some ministries that are going on, what they are doing before I open the Word of God with you today. There is a family member who started a ministry years ago, and this ministry actually meets right below where I'm standing here, and uh, it does counseling to many people in our community and in the Willamette Valley. It's called Mid-Valley Fellowship, and uh, they have been teaching a class for us the last two weeks. Next Sunday. Yes, thank you. And next Sunday morning, 9 a.m., will be the third and final installment of their class on healthy relationships. I just wanted to bring the director of Mid-Valley Fellowship up on the stage so we could say a special thank you. Dwan Walker, would you come up here, Dwan? It is good to see you. Thanks again for uh, leading this class the last couple weeks. And I know next week... Uh, we will offer that class. You won't be here to do that. So we just wanted to say a special thank you. We've got a note and a gift for you, you. Uh, for your ministry. Uh, but we appreciate that God has, they just want to clap. That's good. That's a good thing. I, I'm proud of you again, that God uh, was putting something on your heart years ago, and you were obedient to say, God, I will follow you. I will serve you. And uh, so thank you for sharing your talents, your time, your wisdom uh, with us. And again, we want to say thank you very much. Thank you. you. Love you, buddy. And I also want uh, one other uh, member, one of our elders, come up in just a moment and share about a ministry he's a part of. Each year we have a group called the Gideons come in. Uh, Gideons do many things, handing out the Word of God throughout our community and throughout the world. So Larry Penner is going to come up and share. Let's give him a nice, warm welcome. This is a clapping group here today. You got it there, buddy? All right. Put your microphone right in there. Tell us uh, what's going on in the life of the Gideons in our community and around the world, Larry. So if you've been on the phone with computer support, customer service? Yes. Kind of frustrating. (laughs) Dave Lancaster is a Gideon, and he's on the phone with customer service, and he asks her, what's your name? Hmm. And she says, Faith. He says, where do you live? 
And she said, the Philippines. And Dave says, well, he says, the Philippines is one of my favorite places. The Gideons went there in 2011, and 23 Gideons from nine different countries handed out Bibles. 1.6 million Bibles were handed out in a two-week period. It was the most that had ever been given out anywhere in a two-week period. And Faith, on the other end of the phone in Philippines, says, I was in college. I received one of those testaments. It changed my life. Now, that's on the other side of the world, but the Gideons are very active locally. There's, it's a huge organization. It's more than a quarter of a million people around the world, and uh, Christian businessmen and professionals who just want to reach people for Jesus Christ by doing personal testimony and handing out Bibles and putting them in public venues like hotels and motels that you've seen. But I want to tell you about some of our local middle school, middle schools and high schools. We surround the schools as we are legally allowed to do. We stand on the public sidewalk. And one of our Gideons this year, or actually, I was there last year when a woman came up to me while I was handing out testaments, and she just went crazy. She was angry. She says, you're going to corrupt these kids. You have no business being here. I'm going to call the cops. And, uh, you know, I explained that it was legal. The the same book was available on the school's library shelf. And and she went on and bothered somebody else at that point. But she came back again this year and started bothering our Gideon again. It wasn't me this time. She came up to the Gideon, and he was talking to three eighth-grade girls and handing out testaments to them. And she started in on them. And the eighth grade girl said, lady, it's just a friggin' Bible. (laughs) (laughs) So after she left and the girls got their Bibles, our Gideon asked them if they knew whether they were going to heaven. He had a chance to read to them some of the verses from Romans that are in the back of the Testament and pray with all three of those girls to accept Christ as their Savior. Now, we don't have a chance to reach every student at the schools. And one of the ways that we can reach the students that aren't, you know, that get on the bus right away and and we don't get a chance to hand them a a testament is that we do the county fair, Lynn County Fair. We just did it this month. And we did hand out over 800 testaments at the Lynn County Fair this year. And also, more than a couple of dozen of those came by our table and prayed with us to accept Christ this year. One of our Gideons was at the table a couple years ago, and a person came up to the Gideon and had a testament that was just full of little tags. And, And this individual said to the Gideon that these are all of my favorite verses in the Bible. And, uh, I got this testament last year from the Gideons right here at the Lynn County Fair. And that day, I took that testament with me to the city park, and I walked around and I said, I'm either going to kill myself today or I'm going to read this Bible. Hmm. Well, you know how that story ends. He chose the Bible. Hmm. And, what, and a completely changed life as a result of that. 
we have a, a tremendously active ministry in the Lynn Benton Community College. And you might think about community college and colleges in general as a place where your student goes and they start partying and they lose their faith. But at Lynn Benton Community College, the Gideons are making a difference. In the last, since January 1st, there have been over 440 testaments handed out at Lynn Benton Community College. Uh, oh, and I might say that we used to do the same thing that we do at the, at the middle schools and the high schools. We'd go on the outer perimeter on the sidewalk by the parking lot. One day a year, we'd hand out testaments. We are now allowed to set up a table in the heart of the campus, interact with the students, answer their questions, pray with them, and hand out testaments and lead them to Christ. And in so doing, since January 1st, 100 students prayed with us to accept Christ mm. on the campus. Mm, 215 of them signed up for Bible study with the campus ministry there, and 440 testaments were handed out. I want to finish with a story of one of our local Gideons. We've got five Gideons in this church, including myself. We've got Jerry Goodpastor, Nick Bruno, and we've got uh, Del Riley and Don Easdale. Dell was working that table on the Gideon campus, uh, on the Lynn Benton Community College campus. And uh, three weeks earlier, we had gotten word that one of the instructors was going to make trouble for us. He was going to have, he encouraged his students to set up a table right next to us and start harassing us and arguing with uh, students about the message of Jesus Christ and, and insult the Bible and all that stuff. We immediately went to campus security and told them about the, our concerns, and they told us we will give you 100% support. We will not allow anybody to disrupt your free speech here on the campus. So three weeks later, this guy shows up at the table and says to Dell, I heard you were here. It was that professor that was going to make trouble. And he said, is it true that you're a World War II vet? And Dell said, yeah. He said, would you come to my classroom and tell about your experiences and your life story in my classroom? Well, Dell said, yeah, I'll do that if I'm allowed to hand out testaments in that class. And so here's the guy that was going to oppose us. He's got a Christian Gideon in his classroom. Dell gets the whole full class time to tell his life story and interject his faith. And then at the end, he asked how many students wanted their own copy, and about half of the students, 16 of them, accepted testaments right there in the classroom. Ten of the students signed up to have us pray for them. At the top of that list is this instructor himself. <laughs> so... Thank you for supporting us. Everything that you give to us, we're going to be at the doors in the back. We'll have an open Bible, and your gifts buy those Bibles for this ministry. Thanks a lot. There's one more thing in your bulletin. If you're not prepared to give today, you can do so later and just send it in. So thanks for this church and the others in this community for supporting this ministry. Thank you, Larry. Thank you very much. Again, as uh, I said earlier, Larry, I'm proud of you and following the Lord's 
leading on your heart to be a part of this ministry. And so if you have any interest in being part of that ministry or asking any questions about the Gideons, please talk to Larry about that. But I thought let's just uh, spend a moment and pray for these ministries in our town, for Mid Valley Fellowship and for the Gideons. As Larry mentioned, there will be a couple uh, guys with Bibles open at the end of the service if you want to give to that ministry. But let's pray for them uh, at this time. Heavenly Father, uh, again, I, I thank you that you are a God who is at work. And you are at work in our hearts and to bring healing and and you will do more of that today. But then you take ordinary people like us. and You place things on our heart. Give us a burden and a passion. And then you use us in mighty ways. And I ask for the ministry of Mid-Valley Fellowship that you would bless them as people come to them and need counseling and help. As they point people to you and to your healing, would you give them wisdom and strength Would you give them power to bring great change and healing in lives? And I pray that, God, for the Gideons internationally as well as they are uh, distributing Bibles, as they are making a difference, as they're doing that on the campuses of schools here in our city. And God, empower these servants as they go out, as they face conflict, as they face opposition. Would you use them in mighty ways as you have been? And we thank you, God, that you are at work in all of our lives as we obey you, as we follow you, as we simply do what you've placed on our hearts. And so we love you. We thank you for including us into your great redemptive work. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, today we're going to continue in our summer series entitled Summer Solstice. I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. And what a privilege it is that we have the Word of God. Hopefully you have your own copy. If not, take the one sitting in front of you, put your name in it, have that as your personal Bible. Read this with us. Today we're going to be on page 876 if you want to use this Bible sitting in front of you from Luke chapter 17. And what we've been doing this summer is, uh, with this idea of summer solstice is working to understand our inner person, our soul, and considering our need for healing. This is what I know about every single one of us is that we have need for soul healing, that we have need for healing in our inner person. Maybe you've been following Jesus much of your life. You still have need for healing in your soul. It gets hurt constantly. You do things that bring hurt onto your own soul. Others do this. You need healing. For some of you who are investigating Jesus or have not trusted in him and realized that he is God, that he is your Savior, you have great healing needed as well. And God offers this to you. We will look into this today. Our key passage that we've been looking at is found in Psalm 23. I'm going to ask that we look at this on the screen, and as we have the last few weeks, would you passionately read this with me, please? Let's begin. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And King David writes this and says, here's what I know is that God is the good shepherd. He works to restore my inner person. And this is our source of healing, God himself. This 
is our focus, that Jesus, this anchor for our soul, is also the healer of our soul. In the last couple of weeks, we've talked about some of our enemies to the soul, things that bring hurt. One, a couple of weeks ago, we said that pressure, great pressure, when we face pressure in life, this can be an enemy to the soul. It could cause us to have much unrest. It could cause us to be anxious and worried about many things. Jesus says, I want to provide rest to you. I want you to come to me, and I want to speak words of rest to your soul. Last week, we talked about fear, how that is also an enemy of our soul. There are different things that would cause us to fear. Again, that's what the enemy would want. Jesus says, I don't want you to fear. I am offering to you my presence. I am with you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Well, today I want us to consider another enemy of our soul, and it is this relational strain. Would you write this down? Relational strain can cause much hurt to our inner person, our soul. These conflicts we have with each other, disagreements, even fights that we have. You've walked away from some of those at times, and you go, oh man, I just don't feel right inside Your soul has been hurt. Whether you caused that or somebody else, there's relational strain. And I want you to hear today, and I want us to consider that my soul can become bitter. This can be a problem of this relational strain, is that my soul can become bitter, sending me down a dark path where the enemy actually wants me to stay. I'm glad that you're here today. The enemy wouldn't, would rather you not be here. The enemy would say, I'd rather you just be miserable and angry and frustrated and wallow in that. I'd rather you just rant about that on Facebook than instead of coming with brothers and sisters who are in need of healing. I'm in need of this healing. I believe all of you are as well. Because if we're not careful, our hearts can become bitter We can end up in a place that is not good for our soul. Luke chapter 17. I'm going to ask that you follow along as I read some of these verses. And as I read these, I'm also going to say this week, I would hope that you would reread them, that you would share these with your family or some group over a cup of coffee, that you would reflect on these words of Jesus, that you would wrestle with them. Here's what we see in Luke chapter 17, starting at verse 1. And he, that is Jesus, said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Verse 3, pay attention to yourselves. Underline those words. Pay attention to yourselves, Jesus says. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day, and he turns to you seven times saying, I repent, I turn, you must forgive him. The apostles who were with Jesus, they said to the Lord, Increase our faith then. Are you kidding me? Verse 6, And the Lord said, If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Verse 7, Will any one of you who has a servant 
plowing or keeping sheep, say to him when he has come in from the field, will he say, come at once and recline at the table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what he was commanded? Let me say that again. Verse 10. So you also, when you have... Oh, I'm going to go back to verse 9. I'm sorry. I'm all over the page here. Verse 9. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? Verse 10. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Let's go back to verse 3 for a minute and look at these words that Jesus says as he's talking to his disciples. And he says, pay attention to yourselves. Or if we're going to use the language we've been talking about, pay attention to your soul. He says this. When he's talking about some relationships here, he says, pay attention to your soul. There's some reality in here that Jesus is talking about. He says, first of all, you're going to hurt people. At times you can do things and it could cause others to sin. That's not a good thing. So pay attention to your soul. Pay attention to where you are leading those who are following behind you. Pay attention to your life. But he also says this, I want you to know others hurt you. It's just part of the process. And that can cause you to go to bad places. And that's not good. So because of that, again, pay attention to your soul. There are people who you are leading. There are people that you are surrounded by. Pay attention to your life, to your soul. As Jesus is talking about this, he's talking about relationships. Relationships are just so crucial to life. You, you can't live life without them. They're beautiful at times. But we also know this, relationships are maddening at times. Amen? Amen. And Jesus is talking about this as he's talking relationships. I've heard teachers say this before. They've said, if it weren't for kids and parents, teaching would be a great job. All right? <laughs> the problem is there are some relationships involved. I've heard this, though, of parents, and they've said, if it weren't for the kids, parenting would be so easy, right? It would. I've heard it in marriages, though, as well. And they say, if it weren't for my spouse, marriage would be a great joy. <laughs> All right? <laughs> but the problem is we are intertwined in these relationships. And Jesus mentions this. There are people that are behind you, and, and you lead them, and that you affect them. And then there are people around you, and they affect you. And as he talks about this, he says that there are relationships and there are responsibilities. And I want us to consider this for a moment, that Jesus spoke about relationships and our responsibilities, our responsibilities, especially as Jesus' followers. Go back to verse 3. Let me read a couple verses here. Verse 3, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents... Forgive him. There's responsibility in there. If somebody hurts you, go ahead and mention that to him. Let him know that that's not appropriate. And when your brother hurts you and re then repents, forgive him. It's your responsibility. 
in this relationship. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. It's a responsibility. Jesus that day is walking with his followers and saying, let me just tell you some things about relationships. When people hurt you, your responsibility is to forgive them. Let's write it this way if you're taking notes. Be continually, the idea is continually forgiving of those who sin against you. Not just once, okay, I will forgive them this time, but the next time I'm going to make them pay. No, be continually forgiving Be continually forgiving. Let's readdress what forgiveness is, what forgiving is. It is sending the sin away from you. So someone hurt you. It's not latching onto that. It's not holding on to that, but letting that go. Releasing that person from the debt that you would have. You typically would want to say, you owe me, but forgiveness says, I'm going to release this debt. You don't owe me anything. I'm letting that go. Jesus says this is how you respond to people who hurt you, sin against you. It's determining not to get even. It's determining not to hold a grudge. That's difficult, isn't it? (laughs) When the disciples hear this, followers of Jesus, verse 5, they said to the Lord, increase our faith. Oh, man, this is difficult. This message that you're telling us, I can forgive once, but... Seven times, even in the same day? There have been times where they said, how many times? Like, seven times? It's like, no, actually, 70 times seven. Like, don't even keep track. Just continue to let go of the debt you think that you have against that person. Let it go. Now, there are some reasons for this. There's a rationale to forgive again and again. I want to look at those real quickly, some reasons And throughout the Bible, we see many reasons. In this particular passage, on that particular day, as Jesus was sharing, we see that he simply calls them that day to obey. And I want you to write this down, that Jesus calls me to obey in this area, to let this debt go. You say, wait a second, I've been wronged. I want to get back. I need to really get involved. No, just let this one go. And this is an act of obedience. Jesus calls me to obey. The only reason that Jesus gives here on this specific day is obedience. He says, simply obey. I'm your master. You obey. You're a servant. You obey. Verse 10, this is why he says this in verse 10. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, you simply say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. I'm asking you to obey. And when I ask you to obey, you do this. It's not really a matter of having more faith like, oh, man. You're going to have to really do something in me. He's like, no, it's not really a matter of having more faith. Just Obey. I'm master, your servant. I'm God, you're not. For those of us who say, Jesus, you are my Savior, we also say, Jesus, you're my King, you are my Lord. And when He says, be forgiving, okay, simply out of obedience, I will do this. Parents, you've said this to your kids, I imagine, before. I know I've said this to my kids. You ask them to do something go make your bed. 
take out the trash, do whatever. And they come back with, why? And you come back with this great argument, and you say what? Because I said so. I'm the parent, you're not. In this case, Jesus is kind of pulling that card and just saying, hey, I'm the parent, you're not. Simply obey. Jesus calls me to obey. Now, fortunately, we have the entire Bible to understand there are actually more reasons, there's more rationale to forgive over and over again. But in this one case, Jesus said simply out of obedience. But let's look at some of those others because we do have all of God's word here to look at some of these other reasons as if you needed another one. Let me show you a passage in Luke chapter 22. Write these passages down. You can look these up this next week. It says this, And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified Jesus and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He didn't get up there and say, you people, just a few days ago, you hailed me as the king. Now you're saying crucify me. I'll tell you, you're going to pay for this. That's not what Jesus says. He says, Father, I'm releasing this debt. Let me actually take it on so they don't have to. Let me show you another passage in Psalm 103. Psalmist says this, as far as the east is from the west. So far does he remove our transgressions from us. This is what God has done, that he removes our sins from us. And this is what he has done in Jesus Christ, that he has removed your sins completely as far as the east is from the west. You can't even figure this one out. But this is what God has done on your behalf. Write down this passage, if you would. I'll give you one more. Matthew chapter 18. There's about 20 verses in here. It tells a story in Matthew 18 about one who is owed a debt. His debt has been canceled. It was a great debt. And then he goes out and finds a guy who has a smaller debt and says, I want my money. And the idea is, listen, you've been forgiven a great debt. Jesus has paid for your sins. And if you need more rationale other than out of straight obedience to forgive, I'll give you another one, is that I have been forgiven much. You have. When you feel and know that you've been hurt, when your soul gets hurt in that way, and it's like, oh, man, now I'm mad. Out of obedience, you are called to forgive, but also you have been forgiven a far greater debt than any offense that has happened to you. That is not to minimize the pain in your life. That is to maximize the forgiveness that God has had for you and for me. Let me give you another reason, if I could. Let me show you a passage in Ephesians chapter 4. Apostle Paul writes this, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity or foothold to the devil. The Apostle Paul said this, When you get hurt, and when anger is there, and it's going to happen, you're going to get heated. We're all there at times. But when that happens, don't let it fester. Because when you do, you're opening up the door for the enemy to stick his foot into your soul and say, okay, I got a foothold there. Now, if you go, let me go a little farther, I'm going to get my knee and my hip in there. And before long, you are going to be so bitter and so angry, and your soul will be damaged. 
in need of great healing again. We've all been there at times. It's like, man, I can't believe how angry I am. It started with this, and I let it go and go and fester and fester. Don't let the enemy have this. If you want another reason or rationale to forgive over and over, it's I can't afford to give away ground to the enemy. You can't. You can't afford to give away this ground to the enemy. He wants a foothold, a toehold in your life, and then he wants more. And before long, you're so mad at that one person and everybody, and you're miserable, and now all you're doing is ranting everything on Facebook. All right? Your soul is hurt. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the enemy have a foothold. Let me show you one more passage in Hebrews chapter 12. And, and really the scriptures are just lined with these reasons. Why to deal with our pain quickly and to let it go. Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it may, many become defiled. No root of bitterness. A few months ago, there were these little cute yellow flowers that would grow up in my lawn. And then before long, there were these kind of white puffy things. And the kids just used to love to pick these up and, and blow all those seeds of weeds all over the yard, right? And this little seed goes into the ground. Now... I don't have to, if I don't water my lawn, the lawn seems to die, but the roots, ah, they don't need water. They're growing up like crazy, right? I mean, just look at some of your lawns, all right? And the writer of Hebrews says, listen, you have got to deal with this soul hurt. Let no bitter root get in there. Because if it gets in there, it's going to produce, it's going to produce a crop that you do not want to see. Let's write this down if you would. I can't afford to let bitterness to take root. I just can't. It's going to kill your soul. It's going to choke out the good that is in your soul. Yes, you get hurt. Yes, you've experienced pain. But you cannot let this bitterness take root or it will ruin you. And so we see some rationale. Jesus on this particular day says, do it forgive out of obedience. But we have the rest of the scripture to tell us there are many reasons we should be forgiving. Let me finish with this today. and It's this, to obediently forgive then. Well, what do I need to do? What are some steps to obediently forgive others? Involves a few actions. I'd like to list three of them. Number one is this, consider just consider how much God has forgiven me. Consider how much God has forgiven you. Take time reflecting on this. When you get hurt and you think, oh man, could I forgive that? And in those moments, consider, if you would, how much God has forgiven you. That you were dead in your transgressions and sin. That you deserved eternal separation from God. You deserved no part of his family because of your sin. 
And he said, I will let my son pay for this because I want you to be a part of my family. I'm going to forgive you. When you are struggling with your hurt that you have right now, when you struggle with hurt this next week, consider how much God has forgiven you. You see, it took the sinless Son of God to pay for your sins. It didn't take just a few bucks to pay off your debt. It took the sinless Son of God to pay for our sins. That's what it took. And when we start to consider that, it's like, oh, I can let this debt go against me. I can release it because God has forgiven me so much more. Secondly, I would want to say this, to obediently forgive others. You and I are called to process our own pain and anger, to process, to process this, to reflect on this, not to stuff it. Yes, we're to release it, but you and I need to process this. You and I need to consider how we have been hurt. We've all been hurt. And you will continue to be hurt. In this passage, Jesus says, actually, go ahead and tell the offender. In some of the cases, you get to do this. Tell the offender, hey, what you did to me was wrong. But to process my own pain, my own anger. The problem is you and I, what we typically do is just stuff this without processing it. We stuff it. And then we say, okay, I've got all this crud in here, and I'll medicate it. I'll numb it. I, I just want an escape. I don't want to deal with this. That's not the right approach. We're called to process our pain and our anger. For some of you, that might mean counseling. For many of you, it has been counseling. I need somebody to help guide me through this process of my pain and my anger. Might be talking to a reliable brother or sister in Christ and say, I've been hurt. I need some help. Could be a pastor, one of our elders, one of our staff members simply go into coffee with our brother or sister in Christ and say, man, I've got some baggage. I need to help process this. For me, one of the great things I have found is journaling, writing down, processing my pain and my hurt. I, I think this is what the Psalms are. The Psalms are, as you read these, you'll see the psalmist just saying, God, I'm mad at these people. Sometimes the psalmist says this, God, I'm actually mad at you. Where are you? Where, where have you been? Let me just process a little bit. I'm hurt right now. I'm feeling unloved right now. I'm feeling like the world is against me right now. Just journaling this. And then under the inspiration of God, he gets to a point usually where it's, but your love for me is everlasting, <laughs> but you are with me. Many times I've journaled and I'm just, God, I'm mad at this person. I feel hurt, crushed, whatever it is. And before long, it's, but you love me. You're with me. And because of that, I, I can let go of this offense. Process your pain. Process your anger. And what you will find is that God will restore 
your soul. He will bring healing to your soul. I was just wondering how many of our, uh, how much of our dysfunction in relationships is really because of unprocessed hurt. We walk into marriages with all this baggage, or we just we have all these other hurts and causes much dysfunction in our lives and in our relationships. I'm going to give you this assignment this week. This week, talk to God about it. Process your pain and your anger with God. Instead of just ignoring it, instead of just numbing it, talk to God and say, God, I've been hurt about by this. I'm angry about this. And let him bring healing to your soul. You might even be mad at God. He's big enough for that. He is. Tell him you're angry at him. Why? And before long, as you talk to him, he will embrace you in his arms and he will say, I love you still. And because of this, as we process this, I'm going to make you a forgiver of others. Ultimately, third, final reason I want to share with you, how do we obediently forgive others? And it's simply this, to trust. Trust God that his ways are perfect. We sang this earlier, but to trust God that his ways are perfect. You're saying, man, how does this dysfunction in my life get worked out, God? Did you forget about me for a season? What happened here? Can you trust God that his ways are perfect? And I just want to give you one last example in case you're thinking that seems like a big task to trust that his ways are perfect. (sighs) Consider, if you would, Jesus. For three years, he, yeah, he faced much opposition, but he's told by many, oh, man, you are great. You're the king. You're you're God. But before long, it leads to a cross. Before long, it leads to crucifixion. At that moment, we'd say, wait a second. Are God's ways perfect? His son is being crucified. Are his ways perfect? It's not the end of the story, is it? That's not the end of the story, and it's not the end of your story. In fact, maybe what you're going through right now seems like a crucifixion. Maybe a good chunk of your life has seemed like a crucifixion. But the story of Jesus is that it does not end there, does it? It ends in a glorious resurrection. And that is what he is going to provide in your life. Because he, he, his ways are perfect. All of his ways are perfect. There's crucifixions at times. There's pain at times. There are times you're going to be hurt and angered. And he says, trust me. I'm perfect in all of my ways. There's a glorious resurrection. I work all things together for good. And we get back to this idea of, what do I do when people offend me? What do I do when people hurt me? Jesus says, Oh, you're letting this one go. If it's simply out of obedience, yeah, that's all the reason you really need. But consider how much you've been forgiven. Process 
your own journey and trust this God who's perfect in all of his ways. I'm going to ask that you reflect with me for a minute before we sing one last song. Maybe it's bowing your head. Maybe it's starting to journal for the first time or the first time in a long time. To process some of your pain and hurt. And we do experience that. And we will experience that. And Jesus says, if you want healing for your soul, learn to forgive. Learn to let this go. Heavenly Father, this is uh, difficult for us. We want justice when we've been hurt. But we really don't want justice for the sin that we've caused, that we've been a part of. We gladly take grace. We gladly take your riches at Jesus' expense. And would you help us to be forgiving people? God, there is uh, much pain. We need to process that. And so would you help us? We've spent too much time stuffing it, not talking about it to you or to others. And then we don't live as the light that you've called us to be. Heavenly Father, would you help us to see that we have been forgiven much? I know that when I get hurt and angered and I reflect on your goodness in my life, I just got to say, okay, I can let that go. So would you continue to grow us? Would you continue to mature us? Yes, to be people of faith, but to be obedient to you. And to live as Jesus did, willing to forgive. God, there are some here today that haven't received that forgiveness from you. They're maybe trying to work it off or be good enough. Would you help them to see today that you offer forgiveness for all sins, for all time? Would you help? people today to just say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. God, would you help us all to say that, even the Christ followers, would you help us to say, again, I, I have always been in need of your forgiveness. And would you bring healing to us that we would be your instruments in this broken world that needs great healing as well. So heal us as we look to you. Heal us as we turn to you. And we thank you that you do that. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.